This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. <laughs> okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Do you crash people's weddings? Do you steal people's flowers? Do you make up etiquette rules? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better. It's Nick Layton. And it's Leah Bonima. And let's just get right down to it with our moose-bouche. <gasps> so for today's moose-bouche, I want to take you to 1971 Washington, D.C. Wow. Can you picture it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to picture Washington, D.C. now and then add some, I think, more sepia tone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're there. And do you remember The Post, the movie by Steven Spielberg? Yes. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's basically about the Washington Post, the newspaper, and their decision to publish the Pentagon Papers, which was basically this revelation that the U.S. government was not being entirely honest with the American people about the Vietnam War. So it's 1971, and Richard Nixon is president, and his oldest daughter, Trisha is about to get married in the Rose Garden. And that's a big deal. Like a Rose Garden wedding? Like, that's a big deal. So journalists from all over the world are going to be covering this, including, of course, the Washington Post. And so the Washington Post sends a list of the journalists, the names, to the White House saying, these are the journalists we're sending, give us the credentials. And the White House comes back to them and says, oh, one of these journalists is not allowed. We do not feel comfortable with them here at this wedding. So you can send anybody else, but not this person. So Leah, who was that? Who was this journalist from the Washington Post that the Nixon White House was like, oh, not this person? I'm going to guess, okay, because he has played many journalists in my memories, uh -huh. Tom Hanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> was in the movie. Yeah, was in the movie. Um, no. It was, ready for it, Judith Martin. No. Miss Manners. <laughs> so here's what happened. 
So before Judith Martin became Miss Manners, she was a writer and a journalist for the Washington Post. And she wrote for this section called For and About Women. And Leah, did you know that only women went to parties and wore clothing and ate food in, in Washington, D.C.? That only women were interested in these things. Yes, it's true. Yes. So actually, that whole section was renamed the style section in 1969. Um, but when Judith Martin first started writing for the Post, like it was just called Porn About Women. And sure, they did fluffy stories, but they actually like broke real news too. And Miss Manners actually gave an interview once where she actually explained the type of journalism they did in this section, where she talks about some party that some rich socialite was having in their estate in Virginia, and it was French themed. And they were gonna have basically Versailles recreated, I guess. Like they had big white tents and they were gonna hang like impressionist paintings inside these tents and they're gonna be heated. And the socialites wanted to say like, oh, this isn't happening. We're not really having this party. No press, please. Like, we're just going to keep this under the radar. And what the editor of this section of the Post did is she hired a helicopter to go up <laughs> and take pictures of the party from above and, like, sent journalists into the woods nearby to, like, catch party guests to, like, find out what was happening inside. So they're like, oh, that's actually, like, real journalism. And Miss Manners talks about this time and the sexism of this time as something that was definitely happening, but was something that she tried to use to her advantage. So one of her beats was actually to cover the embassy parties. And so what she would do, like on a Friday night, going off to the parties, she would stop by like the foreign desks and ask the editors and the journalists there, like, what happened in the world today? What should I ask some of these ambassadors about? And so she like knew what to ask all these ambassadors and like foreign dignitaries about. And she would be at these parties and she would identify herself as a post reporter. And she was taking notes on a notepad and like, it's clear she's a reporter, but because she was a woman wearing a cocktail dress, it did not occur to a lot of people that like, oh, she should be taken seriously. And anything they say to her is going to end up in print the next day. <laughs> and so she got great quotes from all sorts of people. Uh, and so she just sort of used the sexism to her advantage, which I think is clever and brilliant and I think is amazing. So in 1968, one of the events that she was assigned to cover for the Post was the marriage of Julie Nixon, who was Richard Nixon's youngest daughter. And she was going to get married to David Eisenhower, who was the grandson of President Eisenhower. And Richard Nixon had just been elected. And so this wedding was a big deal. Like this wedding was like a major thing that was happening in the world. And so, of course, Washington Post was there and the Nixon transition team, because this happened in December right after the election. And so Nixon hadn't been sworn in yet, but Nixon's transition team was sort of managing press for this event. And they corralled all the press into like this area and told them, you can't go in. We'll tell you what's happening and you should write the stories as if you're there, but we're not actually gonna let you into the ballroom. Mm. And Judith Martin is there like, oh, that's not how journalists operate. Like that's not gonna work for us. And so there's a couple different versions of the story about what happens next. One version is that she went to the bathroom with another post reporter and she hung out in the bathroom long enough for bridesmaids to come in. <laughs> And she got to chatting with all these other bridesmaids. And then she just sort of left with the bridesmaids and then slipped into the party. And then Ms. Manners says, quote, we grabbed these nice young men who in the dim light thought we were college girls to dance with so we could get around the room. Then we put our heads down when we saw someone who would know who we were. Sneaky. And smart. Very smart, yes. And then apparently they were discovered and they had to flee. But Richard Nixon found out about this and was not 
happy with <laughs> Judith Martin specifically or with the Washington Post. And some point to this episode as where the relationship between the Washington Post and the Nixon administration definitely like cemented the tension that would really last throughout the rest of the Nixon administration. But like the wedding of Julie Nixon, like, oh, this was definitely an example of like, oh, this is happening. And Judith Martin definitely spent the next few years trolling the Nixon family. <laughs> she said this about Trisha Nixon, uh, the other daughter. Quote, a 24-year-old woman dressed like an ice cream cone can give even neatness and cleanliness a bad name. So, Judy, what are you doing, Judy? So that same Trisha then is the one who's going to get married in 1971 in the Rose Garden. And because of that earlier wedding issue, and because Judith Martin was like, like this in the press in the intervening years, the Nixon administration was like, oh, you can't come. We are not going to give you credentials. Like, that's not a thing that's going to happen. And so what the Washington Post did was basically said to the Nixon administration, um, you can't tell us what to publish. And so if you're going to dictate that, then the only person we're going to send is going to be Judith Martin. We're not going to send anybody else. <laughs> and so they only assigned Judith Martin to cover that wedding. And so she said, like, I'll get as close as I can. I'll do what I can. And what she ended up doing was asking all the other journalists from around the world for their notes. Give me your notes. And what she did is she put them all together and wrote a page one story for the Washington Post, which did not have a byline, by the way. And it actually was the best coverage of that event because it actually had everybody's perspective, everybody's notes. And so that was what happened with this wedding. Now, on the very same day, that was the cover of the Washington Post, on the cover of the New York Times that same day, was the Pentagon Papers being published by the Times. And so then this sets up the question for the Post, which is like, oh, do we follow suit? Should we also publish? And ultimately they did. And when you think about how they made a decision in the Judith Martin issue, of course, of course they were gonna go ahead and publish the Pentagon Papers because like they had to stand on this principle. But it just is so interesting that like, oh, Judith Martin, who we think of like, oh, she's the woman who tells you not to clean glasses and not to charge people admission for your wedding is also this same Judith Martin. Yeah, that's wild. Right? So she's very cool. She's very cool. So uh, she's my dream dinner guest. Like if I could have dinner with anybody in the world, like she is hands down, no questions asked, first choice. It reminded me of, this is really off topic, but not exactly, which is yeah, mm -hmm. how my brain works. Uh, <laughs> okay. The Iwaszowski, which is the lead detective of a detective series that I love, mm -hmm. was played by Kathleen Turner in one movie. I wish they'd done more. And she said to this young woman that she was like teaching how to do surveillance. She said, mm -hmm. never underestimate a man's ability to underestimate a woman. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is a great example of that. So I just wanted to share this fun story about Miss Manners, which I think not a lot of people know. And I think it maybe informs how we all feel about her, which is hopefully even warmer. It really does. It really, yeah. really does. Yeah. Such a much fuller picture. And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Deep and repetitive? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so for today's question of etiquette, I want to talk about repetition. So in my travels and in all the letters I get from you all out there, I'm always looking for patterns. 
themes and the pith? What is the through line? What are the commonalities? What are like the fundamental particles of bad etiquette? Like what are the fermions and bosons of etiquette? And mm. one of the things that sort of caught my eye is what, you little particle physics jokes? No, yeah, no I love it. No? I, th- I feel like that should be on something. I do want to talk about quarks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sidebar. When I go to bed at night, the thing that I actually watch on YouTube to like calm my mind is actually like particle physics videos. <laughs> like, love it. Particle wave theory, Does the Higgs boson give things mass? Like all of these things I'm totally obsessed with. It is so calming to watch particle physicists talk about particle physics. Uh, So I highly recommend it if you need a way to fall asleep. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it's really lovely. Which is another thing we have in common. I mean, this is great. So one of the bosons of (laughs) etiquette, I think, is the idea of repetition. And what I mean by this, I guess, let me give you some examples. So let's say I am having dinner at your house and you're like, oh, do you want seconds? I'm like, oh, no, thank you. This is great, but like, I'm fine. And you're like, no, no, really have seconds. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm great, but but it was delicious. And you're like, no, I really, you should have more. Like that kind of repetition. Or we got a great question recently, which was a woman buying prenatal vitamins. And the checkout person was like, oh, are you pregnant? And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, is it for someone else? I was like, no. It's like, oh, well, who are they for? It's like that kind of repetition. And there is something inherently rude about that type of repetition. Obviously, with the buying the prenatal vitamins and asking if she was pregnant, it's rude even without the repetition. Oh, yes, actually. Which we discussed, but I think (laughs) point made. Yes. Yes. You're not allowed to ask about pregnancy even once. Yes. Yes, but but that type of like yes. nagging almost. Absolutely. Um, I believe I've brought this up at another point, but one of my favorite books, Gavin DeBecker's The Gift of Fear. Yes. He talks about people who don't listen to boundaries and like regular conversations where you're like, hey, would you like some pizza? And you say, no, thank you. And they keep being like, have pizza. Take a pizza. Yes. You want a pizza. Interesting. Yes, there is a boundary issue. I guess it is about boundaries too, right? And not being mindful of somebody setting that boundary. And then you're making them enforce it over and over and over again. And for some people who just want to be polite, after a while, you feel like I should just stop. I've had to say no five times. I don't want to say no again, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the tricky thing about etiquette. A lot of people, when they want to be polite, are pretty subtle at first and are hoping you'll pick up on it, which is like, oh no, I'm good. Like, thank you. And that's not strong enough for some people. Uh, Some people need it a little more explicit. And then I guess the problem is even when you make it explicit, when you keep pushing that boundary. I had to recently make something so explicit that it was like, even I was shocked. Okay, Not even I was shocked because- Obviously, I'm always shocked when I have to be explicit. I'm always like, oh, my goodness. No, thank you. But I, I, I mean, it came in like a low, like a low baritone. Oh, you, know, you I, changed the register. I had wow. to just be like okay. direct eye contact and repeat it for the third time, you know? Okay. And then did that work? Oh, it stopped. Okay. Yeah. So this idea of repetition, uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure what we do about it other than just to be mindful and kind of look out for it in the world. And, and being a little more careful when we see it so that we don't do it at least. Yeah, I think sometimes, many times the people not paying attention to your boundaries are not nefarious. They just want to make no. sure that you're taken care of. Yes, I think it is often coming from a good place. That it's not always somebody who is like slowly trying to take over your life. But if somebody says no once, that's the answer. Yes, no does mean no. Now, just devil's advocate a little bit, there are situations in etiquette uh, in the United States and around the world where there is a little bit of the dance, 
which is like, oh, no, you go first, or no, I insist. So it's sort of not that, though. Like, that is a different category of no. And I think most of us know what that is. We feel that in a situation. Right. Like, if you were at my house, and I know you loved this, my deviled eggs. Mm. I know you loved them. (laughs) They're famous. And I say, do you want to take some home? And you say, oh, I couldn't. I feel like if you were leaving and I said, if you want to take some, I'm happy to give it to you. And then you go. Oh, all right. I feel like that could be in a gray area. Right. And I guess that's what makes this a little tricky is that there's a lot of nuance involved. I also think there's people that want to, and this sounds weird, but like the difference is we're sitting at the table. I say, hey, would you like a deviled egg? You say, no, thank you. I say, come on, have one. Try one. Oh, you want one? I know you want one. That's yeah. that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other ball. Game. I shouldn't have to yeah. explain to you why I don't want one, why I'm not eating. It's not really your business. Yeah. Move on for after the first one. Right. Yeah. And so how do we know the difference? Well, I think it is a good question. I think if somebody offers, so you are offered something mm-hmm. or you're offered something and the person says, no, thank you. That's it. Yeah. Maybe that should just be the default setting. Unless you have a strong conviction that they don't really mean it and or they're just sort of doing a polite thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to move the example out of food because I think food is a particularly fraught place because I do think it's a loaded. A lot of people have different relationships with food and some people just want to feed you and you're like, I don't want it. So that's all very complicated. But an example of maybe where you could ask a second time is I've been in situations where somebody says, hey, do you need a ride? We're at a party Mm. or something and I don't want to inconvenience them. Ah. So I'll be like, I'll be fine. And then later when they're leaving, they go, hey, I'm going, happy to drop you off. You sure you didn't want to ride? Okay, yeah, that feels nice and appropriate. Yeah, and that doesn't feel nagging. Yeah, and I would say, you know what, thanks. Or I'm good, I'm going to grab a lift. And in thinking about this, it feels like the nag uh, quality is a problem. It also feels that repetition often has a flavor of substituting my judgment for yours. Yes, oh, nailed it, Nick. Like, I don't want to accept your answer because I feel like you're not correct. And my judgment says that you actually should want to do this thing. Like you should take the ride from me. You should do X, Y, Z. And so by asking again, it's sort of like, oh no, I heard you, but you're wrong. So I'm going to ask again, but I'm not really asking. I'm kind of telling you. I think that's such a great distinction because when it bothers me, when people keep asking if I want something, it's because they'll be like, I know you love this. And I'll be like, you actually don't know what I want. So I've yeah. let you know and we're stopping. Okay. So I think maybe that's what it is. That's the pith. That is the pith. That is the etiquette fermion. That is the fundamental etiquette particle. It's that substituting your judgment for theirs. As opposed to just being a nice host or hostess and at the end of the evening, you double check if anybody needed anything. Right, yeah. Because actually that's the fundamental 180 degree opposite, which is being mindful of their happiness and their comfort and their feelings. Checking in with them. Oh, are you sure you need a ride? Happy to drive you. Versus like, oh, do you need a ride? Because I think that that's in your best interest as opposed to you walking home because I don't think the neighborhood you live in is safe. (laughs) So like you shouldn't be walking or something like that. Okay, so that's what it is. Okay, so I think that's that's what we should be mindful of. Yes. Oh, I love how we got to that. We got there. Great, Great. point, Nick, because that's the feeling of it. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, you're not listening to my choice on this. Right. As opposed to being a gracious host or yeah. hostess or friend. So when thinking about how to respond when this happens to you, I guess there's a couple of different approaches. Um, if you want to follow the Miss Manners approach, she would say the weak smile. 
That's the way to go. And actually, she uses this advice for a lot of things. But the weak smile, she describes it as, quote, moving the mouth only slightly while the eyes simply stare. So you could just kind of do a little smile, but like you have a bit of dead eyes and that kind of does send a signal, which is like, I'm acknowledging what you said, but I'm not engaging. I feel like dead eyes is always after a few. Oh my goodness. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we want to start with dead eyes. No, we start with like we a wanna, nice, we happy, end no, with dead you. eyes. Yeah, we end with dead eyes. Yeah, upbeat. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much. But like, I'm good. And then, oh no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good. We could also throw in a, or let me see what you think on this. We could always throw it in the middle between dead mm. eyes and a, ha- oh, you already asked me. No, thank you. <laughs> um, I like that. I mean, we need the tone. We need the tone because we don't want to be rude back. No, but we're just so, saying, I've already answered this. Uh, We'll workshop it. I think you have to land it. If you land it, I'm good with that. I think yeah. at a certain point, it's fair to let people know. I'm tired of saying this. Yeah, it comes down to tone. I guess you could say like, I feel like I've answered that. Yeah. I feel like I answered that actually feels much harsher than, <laughs> oh, you already asked me. No, thank you. Yeah, well, I don't really have a middle ground. <laughs> I, I have very polite and then I have very stern and like serious. There's not a lot of middle for me. So that was that was my middle. <laughs> Can you do a no thank you for me with a weak smile? Like what that thank you sounds like? Sure. So that would be a thank you. Oh, I can't even. I need context. Do you want to? Oh, are you sure you didn't want another piece of pepperoni pizza? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird smile. Yeah, it's a weird smile. Uh, Yeah, I think we start there, though. We start there. Although when I do weak smile, I don't say anything back. It's just a weak smile. Because it's just easier to do a weak smile, which is just like, hmm. (laughs) That's how I do with dead eyes. Oh, okay. I I think my eyes are a little more expressive. (laughs) But if somebody like cuts me in line at Starbucks and then like looks back, I would be like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But yes, dead eyes, we we don't want to start with that. But yeah, we can end there. We end on dead eyes. We weak smile in the middle. We start polite. And then you could also say things like, oh, thank you for your concern, but I'm good. Or like, unfortunately, that's not possible, but like, thank you so much. And then the tone just has to be increasingly sort of severe if it just doesn't land. Let's say a weather alert. You know what I mean? It's coming in. (laughs) It started out as a nice day, but if this keeps happening, it's going to get real torrential around here. Yeah. Then we look at that little radar. It's like, oh, the percentage of precipitation has gone up. Yep. So repetition, I think at the end of the day, it's just something I want everybody to be mindful of so that we can try not to do it. Or when we do it, it's in the right spirit. And if it happens to us, yeah, I think we just want to be mindful of that it is happening to you and that this is a relatively common etiquette crime. And that you're actually absolutely allowed to say no multiple times and not feel guilty about it. Yes, sometimes you have to be repetitive with your nose. Yeah. And some people, the nefarious side of this, do this as a tactic and they're wearing you down because they know you want to be a polite person. So you can just keep saying no. Don't let them use kindness against you. Yeah. And and that actually is a great point. A lot of people do take advantage of people's politeness to get what they want, knowing that polite people will sometimes acquiesce. And you can be polite and say no at the same time. Totally compatible. Totally compatible. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. 
and Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! So our first question... Before I start, if you're driving, just pull over. If you're on a treadmill right now, Ah, I need ah. you to power that down. And if you're sitting down, I actually need you to actually go on the floor now so that you don't fall over, okay? I just want everybody to be safe. All right, ready? Quote, recently, one of my neighbor's adult daughters was visiting me. I've lived across from this family for 23 years in our quiet rural neighborhood and have had a wonderful relationship with the entire family. The young woman just mentioned to me that her mother cut blooming tulips from my yard to take to church last weekend and hoped that I did not mind. Well, not only do I mind, but if she would have asked my permission, I would have politely told her no. She not only has her own gardens, but fresh flowers are available at our local grocery store. Her mother has been a good neighbor, and I'm reluctant to make a big deal out of this event. But to add fuel to the fire, I am blind. And my neighbor is well aware that I would never have known that the flowers were missing. Is it ethical to steal flowers from a neighbor to take to church? Another friend told me to suggest to my flower-stealing neighbor that she needed to do, quote, a few extra Hail Marys for stealing from a blind woman. How can I tactfully confront my neighbor and let her know that my flowers are not available for her to cut without my consent? Should we pause? (laughs) I think this is the most outrageous question we have ever received. I feel like this, this is, is this the most? I I feel like we've had a few that I've had to sit on the floor for that I can't think of right now because there are bells ringing in my head. Not like Christmas bells, but like alarm bells. I mean, we have a blind neighbor and we cut her flowers from her yard, hoping she would never know because she's blind. And then our neighbor, our letter writer uh, is trying to be 
I'm reluctant to make a big deal out of this event. <laughs> is it ethical to steal flowers from a neighbor to take to church? It doesn't matter where they're taking the flowers. <laughs> no, definitely. Destination does not the matter. The church does no. not want stolen flowers. Not, no, definitely not. Sort of antithetical no. to church. And... I think to do something knowing that you won't get caught doesn't mean it's right. No. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I've, I, I. What is there to say? What is there to say? I wrote down, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I just wrote literally what? I got this on my phone and I was on the subway and I gasped so loud that everybody in that car from end to end looked at me. It was the loudest gasp you've ever heard. I was just like, what is happening? What is happening here? And of course, like so many of our letter writers, they're being so nice about this. And really, this is really what it is. It's always our letter writers who are like, is it, I don't want to make a big deal. Is this rude? <laughs> right. This stealing your flowers. Stealing your flowers. Assuming you won't notice. Yeah. And they have their own flowers. And they have their own Not flowers. Not that they, if they didn't have their own flowers, they should do it. Uh, you ask people, hey, may I cut some flowers for church? No. Done. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just don't. I, what do we do with this? Um, so I guess I think we should say something to our neighbor. Can I really quick when you say, what do we do about this? This is the kind of place where I would love to go to this neighbor's house and knock on the door oh. and be like, hey, this is Nick and Leah. And we heard that you've been cutting your neighbor's flowers because you think it's OK because she, quote, won't know. And we would just love to discuss how you mentally got to that decision as something that's okay. Yeah. We would love to learn about how your your mind works. Walk us through this. Yeah. Walk us through this. Take us through that journey. Yeah. So I guess the question though is how can I tactfully confront my neighbor and let her know that this was not cool? That's the question we've been asked. And so I feel like polite yet direct. I think that's the thing here. Hey, Lisa, I heard you cut some of my tulips. I would appreciate you asking first before you do that in the future. I mean, that is too good for them. Not our letter writer. That's too good for the neighbors. But I mean, that's how you be a polite person who takes the high road. Yeah. Hey, heard you cut some of my flowers. I'd appreciate you asking in the future. Also, I'm going to say no. Actually, I don't think I would even include the no part in that. No, I'm just and saying I would that wait to for be you to sassy. Ask me. <laughs> Yeah, like I get the instinct to want to be a little sassy. Yeah, I mean, that's usually my default setting, but we have to try our best not to. I do also think separately, we do need to enlist the help of a different neighbor to keep an eye on your yard because it is possible that they're going to try to do this again. And it would be nice to know if this has happened. Oh, I and immediately so, was thinking that we should electrify our yard. Oh, okay. With like a perimeter. Uh -huh. Like, you know, those things they put underground for dogs that keeps them. I don't know if we could change that into like a people walk onto our yard and they get electrified. I think that's completely fair. Or can we do that thing that banks have where they have like little ink things inside of money that <laughs> yes, will yes, explode yes. if you take the money? So can we put some of those ink things inside the flowers so that if you cut them, they'll like explode? I think you could write a list of all the things that your neighbor shouldn't take because she quote things you wouldn't notice. And you could just be like, hey, here are all the things that you can't take from me. Yeah. How about take advantage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't believe this neighbor. No, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so gross. It's so gross. Like, why would you do this? Why would you, why, like, what part of you thinks this is okay? 
Like, why are you broken? <laughs> why are you broken? Why are you broken? No, really. Like, it's like, what is like, clearly, you know, your neighbor can't see, you know, your neighbor wouldn't notice. And you're like, that's cool. I would like just cut flowers out of your yard. I would have trouble not losing my temper a little bit if I were our letter writer. So I think that if you wanted to be a little cheeky, but in the zone of etiquette, I think you could make a joke, which she actually hints about in her letter, which is like, hey, Lisa, I would appreciate if you would just like give me a heads up before you cut any of my flowers. And if you wanted to, you could say a couple extra Hail Marys for stealing from a blind woman. And you could kind of say that in like a jokey way, but it's sort of like you also make your point. So I think if you could land that, I think there is a way to sort of make that joke, which is a joke, but not a joke. I think mm. you could also, let's trot this out. Sure. Say, hey, I heard you took my flowers without permission mm -hmm. because you thought I wouldn't notice. Yeah. And I've appreciate, how long have they been neighbors? 23 years. I appreciate that we've been, because we've been such great neighbors for 23 years, it sort of shocked me because it makes oh. me feel taken advantage of. Ooh, I like where we're going with this. Because that's what it is. You've had a relationship with these people and they did something very dishonest and underhanded. Yeah, and it should hurt your feelings. Yeah, and to say that I think is also fair. Like it hurt my feelings to hear that you cut flowers, hoping I wouldn't notice. And then just leave it to them to try to, to whatever they say next. Yeah. And then you can see how you feel about their response. And hopefully there's going to be an apology there. A deep apology. And they should replant your plants. Oh, yes. How do they want to make it up to you? I didn't even think about that part of the equation. But yes, I mean, ideally how this resolves is this hurt my feelings and I hope it doesn't happen again. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Some very heartfelt apology. And then how do I make it up to you? I will do X, Y, Z. And we'll make sure we plant more tulips for you for next year as well. And like, oh, here are all these bulbs. Something in that zone. Yeah. And if all that fails short, send us the address. I mean, I think you could still send us the address because I would still like to show up. I have some uh, airline miles. Uh, oh, I'll pay cash for this. <laughs> this is worth cold hard cash. Absolutely. Yeah. So our next question is, quote, I have a question about something a coworker told me years ago. When he and his girlfriend went out to eat, she would stop eating when he finished his meal. He asked her about it, and she said that she had been told that it was rude for a woman to keep eating after her partner had finished. Is this a thing? I was wondering if the person who told her that uh -huh. was from the 1600s. <laughs> uh, yes, was this at a Ren Fair? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what? <laughs> what? Um, I've not heard of this particular etiquette rule. I did check my books. I did check my resources to see uh, if Emily or Amy or Judy may have covered this topic. Um, uh, no one has written about this rule. So I think I'm pretty comfortable saying like, no, no, it's not a thing. I mean, I'm absolutely comfortable saying it's not a thing. <laughs> Whether it was a yeah. thing before women were allowed to own property, I don't know. Sure. Okay. I mean, it is not not a thing that women were treated differently throughout the ages. And certainly during mealtime, uh, this was an example of when women were treated differently. I'm not quite sure where this person in the story got this rule. I would like to meet this coworker. I just, who's walking around saying that this is the thing? Do they know they can get a credit card in their own name now? <laughs> right. Not that women don't continue to be treated differently in culture. I mean. Yeah, for but sure. Where, where are eating? 
We are eating yes. now. And there's definitely etiquette rules that are slightly different when it comes to men and women and, you know, whether or not these are arcane or whether or not these are still relevant, you know, like women are still technically allowed to wear hats in a restaurant, you know, during the day kind of thing where men should remove their hats. But this feels like in a different category. This is a different category. Definitely a different category. Also, this is made up. <laughs> and so I think why this actually bothers me is that there are people going around making up etiquette rules and they make them seem like like real things and like they're not real things. And so I feel like we should not be making up etiquette rules. I would love the idea. Alternative take that our le- that our person who said this mm-hmm. just really hated whatever meal they were eating. So they just like made it up on the spot to get out of oh. it. And then now people are handing it down as like an idea they heard. But really, this person just <laughs> makes up things all the time and just says that it's an etiquette rule because they don't want to do them. Oh, I mean, that's a good origin story. There was a woman who had a horrible meal on a date and was like, I don't want to eat this. I'm like, he can't cook. And so she just like made up that rule. And then she passed this down through the generations, (laughs) right? I mean, this is actually how some etiquette rules do start. That's true. Yeah. I mean, if Queen Victoria did this, this would be the rule. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So long story short, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. I just see a fun stamp that we have coming down on like a hashtag. Not a thing. Yes. This is not a thing. Decided. This is it. Yes. We have ruled. Not a thing. So do you have questions for us about things or not things? Let us know. You can let us know through our website, where you're raised by wolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And now it's time for an intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm loving being part of the book of the month because I often stay within the genres I already know or the particular authors I already know. And they're introducing me to new authors, things I might not have known about. It's so exciting. So Leah, tell me about what book is coming. I'm receiving in the mail very soon, The Return of Ellie Black. Where did she go? We don't know. She disappeared for years earlier and then resurfaces in the woods of Washington State. And I can't (laughs) wait to know more. If it's a story set in the woods, you're there. It's really true. I want I want a cozy town or a woods. Or both. Or also take a city. You know, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, as long <laughs> as there's murder or suspense, you're there. I like if there's some food. So you out there, you can get your first book for just $5 using promo code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com, use promo code PEDALS, and get your first book for just $5. And now it's time for the Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by... Book of the month. I am loving getting to pick my books of the months. Is that what the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back. 
And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So Leah, would you like to vent or repent? I'm an event. All right. What's happened? Well, this is a fun one because okay. I wasn't the only person there. All right. You have corroborators. Well, the other person got so angry in the moment oh. that I actually didn't walk away with any anger because they- Oh, they kind of took it with them. They sort of just <laughs> really, okay. which has never happened to me before. And I was like, oh, that's sort of uh, therapeutic. Okay. Just have a third person on the scene who goes further than you would ever go. So what happened? So if you visualize, I'm going up a large, like a bigger street- and then I'm turning onto a perpendicular street. Okay. And there's a light. All right. So I turn and there's a broken down car in my lane. And this, I'm turning onto a very small, tight street. Okay. Can you get around this car or no? I can't get around the car. Okay. So the person coming down on the other side breaks early. They're in a truck. So I can go into their lane. Nice. Very nice. And the light is red on their end because I just turned. So they wouldn't be able to go anyway because there's a light. So we're good. So we're good. Okay. I start to turn. The car behind the truck honks like, I don't have time for this, pulls around them, oh. skirts around the broken car, and then just parks directly where I was pulling in. <laughs> okay. So now you're blocked. I'm blocked. But the man who was driving the pickup truck who was trying to do me a uh, a good Samaritan, you go ahead. I see that you're stuck. Yeah. Got so angry at this car in front of him uh -huh. that didn't notice that he was trying to be polite and has now blocked the road for everybody yeah. because nobody can turn now at the light because I can't move. So they're stuck. And then they can't turn out of the road because of the light. So they've done this and he starts to get out of the car. Like he's going to oh. fight this person. <laughs> Okay. But he stops himself. Okay, so he retreats. He retreats, but he's so mad that somebody has blocked up traffic and he was just trying to do something nice. I was going to go get mad. And then I saw him get so mad and then him be like, I can't do this right here. I'm not going to start a fight in the middle <laughs> okay. of the road. Then I then was able to not get mad and just sit there until the light changed and they all went and then I went around. But if he had not, because okay. everybody was honking, it was all this person's fault. They didn't care at all. But it was so therapeutic to have somebody be like, I'm going to handle this. And you're like, wow. <laughs> so it's almost sort of like a paper towel. Like he absorbed all of the yes. bad etiquette liquid that was on the scene. By not taking the high road whatsoever. By doing what we all want <laughs> right. to do, which is like, are you out of your mind? Oh, so he got to be your it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. how liberating. It was so exciting. And for me, I would also like to vent. So I was at the doctor's office recently having my annual checkup and I'm waiting. And in the waiting room, there are people and chairs and there is a water cooler. How nice. What a lovely waiting room. And so someone comes in and goes up to the water cooler, but doesn't get water. No, no. Leah, what do you think they did? Doesn't get water? Nope. Didn't get water from the water cooler. Are they going to wash their hands in the water cooler? <laughs> no. Although that would be amazing. <laughs> no, what they did is they unplugged it. What? And then they plugged in their phone. No. To charge it. No, 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 no. And you're like, okay, bold move, bold move. But then that wasn't the end of it. Then they went back to their seat and the phone rang. No, no, no. And loud. Very loud ring. 
And the person said, as we're all looking at them, which is like, are you, you're going to get that? You're going to get your phone? The person said, oh, don't worry. It'll go to voicemail. What? <laughs> which if you've ever actually waited for the iPhone to pick up for voicemail, that's actually a very long time. It's like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it actually is quite a while before the voicemail actually kicks in. And so like, okay, that happened. And then the phone actually pings when the voicemail actually like lands. Like, oh, you have a voicemail. And then they go up to the phone because I guess they want to listen to their voicemail. And instead of like turning it on vibrate or mute or something else, they didn't. And then the phone rings again. And at that point, the staff is just like, uh, you need to not charge your phone there. But what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? I can't. A, I, I was shocked at, if the thing had ended on unplug the water cooler. <laughs> right, I yeah, been right there. It's like, I think the general rule is we do not unplug other people's appliances. I, I think actually we don't unplug anything in someone else's space. Right? Is that the rule? That's like the rule. Like we're at a friend's house and we want to plug in our phone. Like we ask first before we unplug something or we ask if we plug into their charger. I feel like anytime we're going to connect with somebody else's space, we ask first, right? Yes. And then the yeah. phone rings. And then the phone Up a rings. level. And then Up wait for level. it to voicemail. And then again, unbelievable. Right. Yeah. I just imagined somebody in the waiting room just cracking, walking over to the cell phone, pulling it out of the charger and dropping it in the water cooler. Oh, oh, wouldn't that be poetic? <laughs> Solved it. <laughs> Check your voicemail now. <laughs> I know. It's going to go in a lot faster now. So. <laughs> <laughs> what have we learned? Well, I learned this amazing histoire of Judith Martin. Isn't it amazing? She's amazing. I mean, deeply interesting. What a chunk of history. Thank you so much, Nick. And I learned that you need to subcontract all of your etiquette anger. Yes. <laughs> this yes. is key. You need third parties involved. To just really react to like the highest degree. And then you're like, oh, I, I feel fine now. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks you out there for listening. I'd send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery if I could. He would. So for your homework this week, do you follow us on the social medias and get our newsletter? Because we got some fun stuff cooking. And you're going to find out about it if you subscribe. So please follow us on all the socials and get our newsletter so that you don't have etiquette FOMO. I mean, etiquette FOMO is a big thing. That's the worst kind of FOMO. <laughs> so please follow us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go. So I believe that I've actually done a Cordials of Kindness shout out to Christopher Thomas and Michael previously, mm -hmm. but yes. who are, are in our Raised by Wolves family and live in Los Angeles and have been so supportive of my move. But recently, Chris showed up at a comedy show wearing... A shirt that he made in support of Raised by Wolves, and it was an FSR t-shirt, <laughs> and it delighted me to my core so much that I was speechless upon arrival and so thrilled, and thank you so much. That's so cool. I saw this great photo, and I am actually tickled that we have reached the point, Leah, that there is now bootleg merchandise. <laughs>
There is unauthorized <laughs> merchandise in the world inspired by our show. I mean, you know you've made it when it, your stuff is on Canal Street. I so, love that. Thank you, but, Chris. But uh, you will be hearing from our uh, legal team. <laughs> he actually uh, said, Chris said that to me. He's like, I feel like Nick's going to send me a cease and desist. <laughs> uh, no, totally delighted. It was great. And for me, I want to read a nice email we just got, which is, quote, I can't tell you how many times I've been in an uncomfortable situation where, like Jiminy Cricket, Nick's voice descends from the ether and I hear him saying that direct, polite communication is the best way to handle this situation. And he's right, it always works. I feel like it may be extreme to say it's been life-changing, but I think it kind of has been. So thank you both. Wow. Isn't that nice? What a nice letter, yes. And I love a top hat. I mean, I'll, I'll take a Jiminy Cricket reference. Absolutely. 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 So this really makes my day. I'm glad that my voice can be in your head. I mean, I feel like it's in my head all the time. So I don't know how it's for you. But I'm delighted that it's useful. So great. So thank you. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm -hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. <laughs> okay. You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm -hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.